0: Thanks for tuning in. This edition of Outcasting will begin in a few moments. Outcasting is produced by Media for the Public Good, formerly WDFH Westchester Public Radio, non-commercial, non-profit, and volunteer-powered. One of the things that makes a show like Outcasting possible is financial support from listeners like you. Please visit us at mfpg.org and click on support to make your tax-deductible contribution. And connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube. At Outcasting Media. And now, Outcasting.
1: I'm fairly eager for medical transition because I feel like the longer that I wait, the harder it's going to be. My parents and I have been talking and they support me in my goal to transition, but they want to wait until I'm older because they're worried about the possible negative effects that hormones and that surgery could have on my body.
2: This is Outcasting, Public Radio's LGBTQ youth program, where you don't have to be queer to be here. Outcasting is a production of Media for the Public Good, a listener-supported independent producer based in New York, online at outcastingmedia.org. Hi, I'm Kale, a youth participant at Outcasting's Bureau at Michigan State University. On this edition, Elliot, a 16-year-old participant in our New York City Bureau talks about his experience growing up as a transgender, bisexual boy.
1: I first started to feel different around 12 years old, in the beginning of puberty, when everyone else in my school, I went to an all-girls school, everyone else was talking about boys, and I started realizing that yes, I had feelings for boys, but my feelings for girls were stronger and they were romantic. It made me feel isolated from my classmates, especially on one instant when I called another girl cute and one of my classmates made fun of me and said that I was a lesbian. And that just further isolated me, further pushed me back, made me more introverted regarding my sexuality. And there was one incident in eighth grade. We had this one nun who was unusually homophobic and we had one lesson about homosexuality and I just remember her saying that God didn't love gay people and that gay people were going to go to hell and for one of the only times in my life I stood up to a teacher and I said that I didn't believe her. I said that I thought she was wrong and she just said that I didn't know what I was talking about. She said that she had been studying the Bible for years and that I had barely been studying it at all. And she said that this is what the Bible really meant. And I said that, well, this is the same book that tells people not to wear mixed fibers and tells people that slavery is okay, so maybe you're just interpreting it wrong. And that made her pretty angry after I confronted her. After I was out of her sight and out of the sight of my classmates, I just completely broke down. I started crying. I thought that there was something fundamentally wrong with me for being the way that I am. I felt like this nun as a teacher was someone that I should have been able to put my trust in and to sort of agree with but that just wasn't the case, and I felt like this adult that I'd seen, that I'd respected and seen as an authority figure, had sort of betrayed me. It felt like at least my school, if not the whole school system, had betrayed me. My, my own school especially, because aside from her not being allowed to teach about homosexuality again, there were no repercussions. There was no discussion about how, hey kids, being gay isn't really bad. There was no, there were very few consequences for her. She still has those views, of course, um, and a lot of the kids in that school probably still have those kinds of views. There's still a bigoted attitude in the school itself, in the students, especially, because they don't know any better. A lot of them come from very conservative Republican families, and they've been taught that gay is a bad thing, that it's unnatural, that it's taboo. And yet it's still hurtful to be seen as something that's not talked about, as something that's just sort of quietly ushered out of a discussion Um, about sexuality. There was no sexuality unit in health class. The teacher just assumed that everyone was straight and that's a very harmful assumption. It's harmful because obviously not everyone is straight and even in a Catholic school you're going to get some people who aren't straight like me. And this just further perpetrates the idea in children's minds, especially in LGBT children's minds, that gay people or that they themselves are not natural or something that's odd and not supposed to be there. Since then, I've graduated that school. I moved on to another Catholic school that I thought was going to be a more accepting, more welcoming place, and for a while it was. I came out as bisexual to my friends in March of 2014, and they were all very accepting. They just It just wasn't a big deal to them because it was unlike my middle school, it was an Upper East Side school. It was in Manhattan. So there was a more diverse community there. So that it wasn't so much of a big deal when it came to sexuality. I felt that the teachers were more accepting. One incident sticks out in my mind. The English teacher was talking about romantic sonnets and she said something along the lines of, you might, when you read these sonnets, a special boy or girl might come to your mind and she was speaking to a classroom of all girls. So that really stuck with me and that really made me think that these teachers sort of accepted that there were different sexualities other than straight. In 10th grade, I was very comfortable in my sexuality, but I was starting to feel like maybe I wasn't a, a girl after all. I'd been feeling strange about my gender for a really long time, but I'd never been able to put those feelings into words until I learned what transgender meant. I can't remember what age I started to feel like maybe there was a disconnection with my gender, but I'd have to say if I had to pick a time, I'd say maybe early elementary school when I pretty much only played with the boys and I didn't like being told that something was or wasn't ladylike. I was comfortable wearing dresses, but I just didn't identify with my female peers. That made me feel like they were just assuming that I was going to be quote unquote ladylike and docile, and that just wasn't me. I was... At least when I was a child, I was very high energy, and I was never, I was never docile or demure or particularly delicate, um, and I never felt like I identified fully with being female. I didn't exactly know what identifying as female or male meant. I just had the idea that sex and gender were the same thing that what you were born with aligned with what you identified as, and I, I didn't know that you could identify as anything. I just knew that there was boy and there was girl, and that was it. And people were boys if they were born with male anatomy, and people were girls if they were born with female anatomy, and that's all that I knew. It wasn't until I joined Tumblr in ninth grade that I actually learned what the word transgender meant. I learned that gender and sex are two completely separate things. I learned that you can identify as a gender other than the one you were born with. I learned that you can identify as a gender outside of the binary male and female. I don't think that the gender binary applies to everybody, because some people are very much on the male side of the spectrum and some people are very much on the female side of the spectrum, and some people are in the middle, some people aren't even on the spectrum, some people are a bit more male than they are female, or a bit more female than they are male, and every single one of those is determined by the individual. Sex is your genitalia, your anatomy, and gender is what you identify as in your mind and in your heart. There are many, many genders. There is agender, gender fluid, male and female, and a person can identify as any of those regardless of genitalia or anatomy. In many cases, sex and gender are aligned, but in maybe just as many cases, they are not aligned. That can create tension within yourself, between you and your family, between you and your friends, between you and authority figures, because some people are not very accepting of transgender people. Some people don't accept themselves and live completely in the closet for their entire lives, and I don't think that's... that's not a happy way to live. That's not the ideal way to live. The ideal way to live is being comfortable and happy with yourself. When your gender doesn't align with the one that you were assigned at birth, that can create a lot of tension and a lot of inner turmoil. For for some people, it's more than others. Some people spend years agonizing over their gender, over whether they're transgender or not, whether they're male or female or agender Or what have you and some for some people it takes a matter of weeks or months or even days to make up their minds and decide yeah i'm i'm transgender or i'm cisgendered for some people it's just not that big of a deal but for some people it's such a huge part of their lives i think that I accept my sexuality and my gender in different ways. With my gender, I'm still struggling at accepting myself. And I still misgender myself sometimes because I'm so used to people referring to me as my birth name and female pronouns that sometimes I slip up. But with my sexuality, I've just accepted it for so long that it's become ingrained as a part of me. And my gender is more new to me, so I'm having a bit more trouble accepting that. But I don't think there's anything wrong with me anymore. I don't think that there's anything wrong with being the way that I am. I don't think that I need to be fixed. So I th- I'd say that I'm pretty far along in self-acceptance. Whenever I run into someone who knew me before I came out as transgender and they refer to me by my birth name or what I call my dead name, it, it's a kind of rush of feelings, some of which include anger at that person because usually when I run into them, they know me through Facebook or they've been updated on my current gender status by another mutual friend of ours because I seem to be the hot topic of conversation among people at my old schools, me and my gender.
2: This is Outcasting, Public Radio's LGBTQ youth program, where you don't have to be queer to be here. Outcasting is a production of Media for the Public Good, a listener-supported independent producer based in New York online at outcastingmedia.org. Hi, I'm Kale, a youth participant at Outcasting's Bureau at Michigan State University. On this edition, Elliot, a 16-year-old participant in our New York City Bureau, is talking about his experience growing up as a transgender bisexual boy.
1: I think my self-awareness first started when I learned what gay meant, which was about in sixth grade, because... Before that, it, was, it wasn't it was a thing that we talked about, but it wasn't exactly taboo. I feel like my parents just sort of assumed that we didn't need to know the exact meaning of the word, but they'd told us before that sometimes girls marry girls and boys marry boys. My self-awareness journey started there and progressed when I realized that I'd had romantic feelings for girls before. When I joined Tumblr and I learned what transgender meant, and I learned about all the nuances of gender, and I thought that could be me, I'd say that I became much more self-aware. And when I read a story by a transgender man in college, he was on testosterone and he said something like, this is the puberty that I wanted to go through and not the one that I got. And that really resonated with me. And I'd say that I was the most self-aware then. When I went through puberty, the puberty that I got, I sort of felt like I needed to be happy because I was developing a lot faster than the other kids in my class. I was the first one in my class to wear a bra. I was one of the first to have my growth spurt. And I felt like I should be happy about this, but I just... I wasn't. There was some sense of discomfort within me that I should be getting something else and that this wasn't it. And then when I, read, when I read that book and when I saw him say, this is the puberty that I wanted and not the one that I got, I thought, that's me. I got a puberty that I didn't want and the one that I should have gotten is one in a male body. I I should have gone through all the changes that boys go through during puberty, not the ones that girls go through. The body image issues that I had relate to the whole puberty thing, because the puberty that I wanted wouldn't have made me look the way that I do now and sound the way that I do now. I have a high, young boy or young girl-ish voice. I have large hips and I have a a fairly curvy body and if I had gone through puberty as a boy I would not have had those I would have gotten a deeper voice like my brother and I would have gone through all the changes that a male body goes through and I just didn't get that and those contribute to the largest part of my body issues and the largest part of my gender dysphoria I'm fairly eager for medical transition because I feel like the longer that I wait, the harder it's going to be. My parents and I have been talking and they they support me in my goal to transition, but they want to wait until I'm older because they're worried about the possible negative effects that... Hormones and that surgery could have on my body. I think it'll be a concern at any age But I think they also want me to wait and see if this is what I really want Wait just to wait and see if I'm not just comfortable changing my name and pronouns and presenting as male But I don't think that I'm comfortable with just that. I think that I'd be more comfortable feeling like a male with the male hormone at least, because my voice would change, my muscle mass would increase, there would be, like I said, I'd be going through the puberty that I should have gotten instead of the one that I did get. In an earlier edition of Outcasting, we talked with Julie Gray Owens, a transgender activist who described the transgender life as stopping at multiple train stations some people can get out on one train station and be completely happy with just that and some people need to ride to the next train station and these train stations could be maybe the first one is for me would be getting a male haircut and the second one would be buying male clothes and the third one would be changing my name and pronouns the fourth one might be hormone therapy and the fifth one might be surgery and i think that i've I've passed the third stop already. I'm looking to get to the fourth stop. And I think that might be enough for me. I would someday like to get um, a bilateral mastectomy or top surgery because I'm looking for the day that I no longer have to wear a very uncomfortable compression tank top to press my chest down, which makes it a bit hard to breathe and a it's a bit uncomfortable, but I'm looking forward to the day that I can wear a tank top, a male tank top, and not have to worry about people staring at me because I have a female body. For some people, stopping at a quote-unquote early station is just enough for them, just maybe changing their name and um, going by different pronouns. Would be enough and then taking small additional steps until they feel comfortable like wearing accessories of their preferred of their identified gender for them that would be completely valid and perfectly fine and a great way to live a transgender life but for some people it's just that every person has different needs and i have different needs than people who just want to change their name and pronouns, and I also have different needs with people who want all, every single surgery, top surgery, bottom surgery, every way of living a transgender life, whether it's just changing your name or going through the full medical transition, going through all the surgeries, all of those ways are completely valid. I think if you're transgender, You shouldn't let anyone tell you that your transition isn't valid and that your gender isn't valid for how many steps that you've taken to transition, as it were. The ultimate authority on your own identity is yours because no one else can say you're straight or you're gay or you're trans or you're cisgendered without your sort of consent and without your stating that no one can determine for you what you are. I think it is an assault on your dignity when someone either assumes or just outright says that you're one thing when you're another. I would be very offended if someone just came up to me and said, you're straight and you're not bisexual. And I would be just as offended if someone came up to me and said, you're not really transgender, you're cisgendered. I'd be very offended because I feel like that's invalidating my experiences and the oppression that I've gone through and the struggles that I've had to face. I've dealt with depression and I've seen multiple therapists. One of the causes of my depression was just how isolated I was in middle school due to my sexuality. I was partly isolating myself because I was afraid that if people found out they'd just Mock me and laugh at me and not want to interact with me at all. So, to sort of protect myself from that, I isolated myself. But another facet of that is I would get really disoriented when I'd look in the mirror and I'd see a girl. And at that point, I didn't really know that I was really trans, that I was really a boy. But it was still a very disorienting feeling to look in the mirror and see something or someone that's not you. And it makes me feel sort of like I'm not real. It makes everything feel very surreal. Like I'm looking in the mirror and the person I see isn't me. What does that what does that mean? I think it's both a depressing feeling and a very strange, again, surreal feeling. It makes you feel like first of all. It makes you feel like you can't ever achieve this image of yourself that you have in your mind. And second of all, it makes you feel like, what if, what if nothing is real? It might be an issue that just I have gone through, but I'm willing to bet that it isn't. It makes me feel like my body isn't really real and that there's this body that is mine, that I have to sort of achieve, that I have to win, maybe. When my parents let me, I want to start my medical transition by first going on hormone therapy. I'd have to do that for a few years. You'd have to go through removal of the ovaries after you've been on testosterone for a certain amount of time. I'm I don't remember if it's one year or two years, but it's a necessary operation. I would like to get top surgery because as much as testosterone does, it doesn't completely get rid of your chest. It reduces the fat in your chest, but depending on how large your chest is, it probably won't completely disappear. And that's what the top surgery is for the counterpart to top surgery is commonly referred to as bottom surgery. I don't know the official name for it. I think it's sex reassignment surgery or SRS as it's sometimes referred to. Realistically, I don't think that I would go through that and I don't have as much of a desire to go through that as I do with hormone therapy and with top surgery because I don't think I have so much sex dysphoria as I do social dysphoria. The difference between that is that sex dysphoria is gender dysphoria as it relates to your general anatomy, and social dysphoria is when you're being perceived as your sex. And that's my largest source of dysphoria when someone identifies me as female that makes me feel really bad even if it's just a stranger that calls me ma'am or miss like a cashier but when someone calls me sir it just brightens up my entire day i feel like i'm on a quest to become a more complete and more authentic person I do think that this is going to bring me to a point of completeness in my life. I don't think my dysphoria will ever go away because there's a part of me that knows that even if I even if I get all the necessary surgeries to make myself look and feel male, I will never be able to reproduce the way that a cisgender male can. I will never be able to do the kind of things that a cisgender man can, there will probably always be some kind of prejudice against me when people learn that I'm trans. I feel like my transness, my being transgender, is and always will be an integral part of my identity. For some people, it's not. For some people, some trans men and women just want to be referred to as men or women. That's completely valid. But for me, at least, I feel like I'll always be a trans man that will always be part of my identity.
2: Elliot, a transgender bisexual boy, is a 16-year-old participant in Outcasting's New York City Bureau. That's it for this edition of Outcasting, Public Radio's LGBTQ youth program, where you don't have to be queer to be here. This program has been produced by Outcasting's Bureau in New York City, a collaboration between Outcasting and the Hedrick Martin Institute. Our assistant producer is Alex Mintz, and our executive producer is Mark Sophus. Outcasting is a production of Media for the Public Good, a listener-supported independent producer based in New York. More information about Outcasting is available at outcastingmedia.org. You'll find information about the show, listen links for all Outcasting episodes, and the podcast link. You'll also find links to Outcasting Off-Air, special online features from Outcasting. And connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube at Outcasting Media, If you're having trouble, whether it's at home or school or just with yourself, call the Trevor Project hotline at 866-488-7386 or visit them online at thetrevorproject.org. The Trevor Project is an organization dedicated to LGBTQ youth suicide prevention. Call them if you have a problem. Seriously, don't be scared. They even have an online chat you can use if you don't want to talk on the phone. Again, the number is 866-488-7386. Being different isn't a reason to hate or hurt yourself. You can also find a link on our site, outcastingmedia.org, under Outcasting LGBTQ Resources. I'm Kale. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time.
1: The opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily reflect the views of the Hetrick martin Institute. Production assistance was provided by Impact 89FM WDBM at Michigan State University.
0: If you enjoyed this edition of Outcasting, please make a tax-deductible gift to Media for the Public Good. We can't do programs like this without your support. Visit mfpg.org and click on support. And connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube at Outcasting Media. Thanks.